0: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
1: welcome to the oak shape podcast with me dan the fitness man your host Welcome to season five, here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan, the fitness man. What is up? What is good? This is a fun episode sitting down with America's Best Bowstrings. Strings, Jerry. He is the dude who runs that joint. We're doing a little experiment this year in 2023. I'm running gas strings, Jake's running ABB, and Tim's going to run A3 or threads. We're going to use the bows all year long, and then we're going to circle back after Elk Season 2023 and look at them, evaluate them, give honest opinions and reviews. Jerry, I've known him for a while. It's good to have him on. He's a wealth of knowledge. He's an amazing archer, incredible whitetail hunter, and a geek when it comes to archery strings. So let's dive deep. Let's learn some stuff. Here we go. Boom. Okay. I am drinking breakfast. You
2: know, I tell people all the time, my coworkers or my employees here would tell you, I told them that uh, I drink coffee uh, anytime I'm not sleeping. And that's pretty much the case.
1: <laughs> we can be friends, Jerry. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Um, uh, so stoked to have you on, man. You're an archery knowledge nerd. You make America's best bowstrings. So I'm sure you've been on other podcasts, right? I have. I don't want to be redundant. I want to talk about all the new stuff, but um let's get to know you for a second, man. How long have you been a, a bow hunter?
2: Uh I've been bow hunting for I guess around twenty five years. Um, I didn't start bow hunting until I was 17. I'm 42. So yeah, that's 25 years. Um, yeah. My dad, dad never hunted. Uh, he, he encourages kids and, you know, he helped us out, but um, I learned everything on the fly. I tell people, in fact, just this morning, I was talking to someone that said if there was a mistake to be made in bow hunting, I made it. I mean, I just, I did. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a whitetail junkie. I, I love bow hunting whitetails. Um, and you know, you, you make those mistakes early and they stick with you and you don't, you know, you do it once and you get burned really, really bad, or you have a bad experience. And then, um, it tends to stick with you. Uh, I tell my kids, you know, my oldest daughter just shot her first buck, uh, Saturday night, actually first time she's ever been out hunting. And um, it was during our youth season. And I told her, I said, Loretta, I said, you're so spoiled. I mean, we get to go out to a managed property. Uh, we got tree stands and blinds and stuff set up. We know the deer. Um, you know, we had an incredible night. We saw a ton of ton of white tails and she was able to uh, put a great shot on deer. So this, it, it's just different, you know, from where I how I started. But
1: when I first started bow hunting, it was white tails. It, it wasn't elk. I was on our own property. Climbed into my stand. I rattled in three bucks back to back to back. Missed every one of them. Had no idea about the blackout adrenaline. Literally, just looking back, I'm laughing. One of those bucks was pretty nice, man. Um, and never thought about quitting. Just got even more obsessed. But I think you're right. Like when it comes to bow hunting, um, and I know it from social media specifically YouTube and Instagram, I get a lot of commentary from people who think they know stuff. And I just, I only value your opinion when it comes to archery. If I know you have learned through the school of hard knocks, I don't trust like narratives that are like, well, I read this or that. It's like, you got to go out there and you got to learn the hard way. And that's, that's your best teacher, man. I fully agree with you. There's so many people in today's, Uh,
2: maybe I'm opening a can of worms here, but in in the hunting market today that are regurgitating things that other people are saying or that they've heard or read, like you just alluded to. And it it, it means more to me. I'm not an elk hunter. I've gone elk hunting one time. I mean, I'd love to go shoot a nice elk one day, but I'm on a kind of a muley kick right now. That's kind of my thing. Um, But I would listen to you because you've killed elk. You've had success. I haven't. So You know what I'm saying? So you... That resonates with people, and if you're just regurgitating things, well, you should do this when you're. And then, but you haven't
1: really put, got the proof behind the pudding. It's, what's it worth? Nothing. Mm. Well, there's so many mistakes to be made, friends. Um, let's let's brainstorm a couple of the most common. Like, don't, this is for you, new to bow hunting listeners. Jerry, drop some knowledge. What are some most common mistakes maybe you made, we've made that uh, people might want to like put on their radar. Uh, Well, I'll stick to
2: whitetails because that's what I know. That's I'm a whitetail freak. Um, But I think the biggest and probably most underestimated thing that whitetail hunters uh, or something that they miss the most is understanding access. I think to, to the whitetail, understanding access, being able to get in and out of your location where you're hunting without the deer knowing that you're there or that you have come and gone. Is hands down the the number one biggest thing that people mess up on i made a trim i mean i i messed it up every time you know and then you wonder why you have one good sit um it's because the deer are catching you they know that you're going in there or coming out or vice versa um so i think to me i think that is probably one of the biggest things if you get that right if you get that right in the whitetail woods um everything else becomes a lot easier uh if you get your access right and you understand that if i hunt this spot i can get in and out and i can hunt there three four times the wind is right um i'm going to be successful there and i'm not going to burn that spot out versus if i go to this spot that's in the middle of my property and i'm always there's a there's i'm going to see a giant there but i've got one or two good hunts because i'm busting deer on the way in and i'm busting deer on the way out you're just you're you're done before you get started oh Uh, i just think that's a that's a huge under i mean uh from where you're from it may be a little bit different but i know here in the east and, and a lot of the whitetail areas i mean that's that's probably the most overlooked thing
1: oh man so my season in washington doesn't open till friday like the day after thanksgiving it sucks because i've done this for years where i have to watch all you guys whitetail hunt like crazy into october all through the heart of the rut i have a deer tag in montana I went over last week for a couple days just doing some saddle hunts on public. I I didn't really scout it, so it was pretty fruitless. But my point is I am jonesing to get in my stand, and I'm just thinking, like, okay, does my set— basically check that box and it does because it's got a pinch point it's got it's got a reason for deer to come by and then there's a creek that's pretty loud that runs year round and it's kind of in a canyon so it's a it's a creek bottom and the only way to access my spot is to kind of go through these landowner's it's private property and it's just, a to get there, the deer don't hang out in my travel pattern to the stand. And, uh, so I think, I think my spot checks your, you know, that box, which is, which is good. Cause I do want all my sits to be fruitful. And quite honestly, I'd like opening day to, to get it done. So I'm excited. Um, when it comes to whitetails for you in Ohio, what's your guys's arch? You're in Ohio, right? Yeah, we're in Ohio. What's your archery season? Because I've always thought of Ohio as like they have a pretty generous rifle season too.
2: Uh, we actually don't. Our, our, I mean, it's one of the reasons why our state is so good. Okay. Our archery season opens up uh, typically the last Saturday of September. So this year, I think it was a 24th or something like that. And then it runs until usually like the first Saturday in February. So we have a long long archery season. Holy cow, which okay. is awesome. I love it. And we have a, a one buck state, so you get one buck tag. And then I the, the other thing that I really love about our state, um and I'm not trying to draw people here. Please, we we have small deer. Stay away. Stay away. <laughs> Word, I feel you. But uh our our shotgun or rifle season falls uh actually it opens on Monday the week after uh, Monday after Thanksgiving. So our, our our gun season is one week and it is after the major bell curve of the rut. So we don't have a gun season on November the 10th, you know. And i think that's really what has helped the state be so good but yeah we've got a generous archery season and it, it's i love it because you know the bad thing is you you get one buck tag you know and i shot my buck this year on november the 3rd i think it was so you know i'm hunting with the kids i've got some doe tags i i can't stand not being out i love hunting the rut but we get to hunt all phases you get the early season you get the, the food patterns you get the rut all that you know just absolute blast of a time to be in the woods And then, you know, dynamite, the late season last year, I I didn't kill my bucket until January last year. Um, And just if you've got food in late season, it's game on because we get some cold temps. I mean, we're in the northeastern part of Ohio, so we're just below the snow belt from the Great Lakes um, where I'm at. But, yeah, we get some cold weather.
1: So in that January, February time frame, are you concerned about them popping their horns off after the shot? Oh, yeah. Is that a thing? (laughs) Yeah, it happens. I
2: mean, we're very careful because you get, I mean, the season can be open. You got shed bucks for sure. Okay. So yeah, you have to be very, very careful. You're not shooting a
1: doe. <laughs> 100%. Okay. Um, well, let's get into strings a little bit. Um, I'm kind of pressed for time, which sucks for me. I really wanted, I got an hour, so I got to squeeze the juice. Let's talk about America's best bow strings. I've ran them. You guys have a really, really good reputation. And and I say that kind of anecdotally. So we, I made a post on Instagram and YouTube, like a poll. And I just asked people, hey, I want to run some different strings this year and the squad does do and our squad does as well. And we all kind of want to run different strings through an entire year and look at them after the elk season. Give us your top three. And without a doubt, unequivocally, America's Best was up there. It gasped bow strings and threads. And then, then you can list out a million boutique string makers that people mention. But you guys were in top three, uh, arguably number one when it comes to our audience's recommendations. So, do your strings come on any bows like automatically, or is this a complete? You have to buy your guys' strings aftermarket. So, our big, our the biggest
2: portion of our business by far is the aftermarket strings. Um, I would say about 8% of our revenue comes from bow manufacturers, where we are actually supplying strings to a bow. We have a couple of companies that we work with that we actually have an NDA in place, and we can't really talk about it. Okay. Um, But, I mean, for years, we worked with PSE. Uh, Honestly, Pete Chepley was one of the big reasons why, you know, we really got – started as well as we did. We started in 2006. And by 2008, we were building strings for PSE. By 09, you know, we were doing you know, big, big numbers of PSE. Um, and there was a phase, probably about 10 years where most of our business was OEM. It was the Bo Brands. And we've really shifted away from that, um, just so that we could serve the, de- the dealer shop a lot better. Uh, that's, that's really our big focus and our goal. But um, yeah, there's, there's a new company or a company that came to us here very recently within the last, I don't know, month or so. Um, that'll be a public thing. I'm going to let them announce that when they're, you know, releasing that we're building their strings for next year. But um, we do work with a few. Uh, but, yeah, by and large, it's it's the, the pro shops. And, and, you know, we do some direct-to-consumer as well for areas that people just want to do their own work. They've got their own pro sh- or their own uh, bow press and stuff, and they're buying from us direct. Or they, you know, we, it's crazy how... We get someone that says, Oh, I don't have a pro shop within like 50 or 100 miles, you know. So uh, that shocks me. That's That shocks me. Um, but, you know, we work with some of the best sh- stores in the country and, you know, we love the relationships we have with those people. So
1: educate us, Jerry, on what are strings made of. Like I'm familiar with like BCY 454, 452X. I kind of know in my heart of heart that those are really good materials and proven. But, there's got to be other string makers out there that make the actual material or do you guys make your own like what is in a bowstring? So, let me answer that question
2: this way. Um if you're familiar with well, let me back up a little bit. Everybody, all of the string manufacturers buy the pretty much the same fiber. 452X is a blend of Vectran Dyneema. So is 454. Uh, Those are your popular materials is Vectran Dyneema. Uh, Really, those are the two main ones. You buy different types of material from BCY that has different blends, dot, dot, dot. Um, So it all comes from Honeywell, um, uh, DSM. Those are your, your main, like the base fiber supplier. So we're all buying the same product, but it really works like this. Coke in whatever year came out with a soft drink, and it was a really good soft drink, and everybody loved it. Pepsi comes along and says, hey, we can do that too. And they made a soft drink that is similar to Coke, but does it taste like Coke? Not quite. Why? Because they don't have the same recipe. They're using the same things. They're using the same, basically, from a conceptual standpoint, they're using the same materials, but they have a different recipe because they don't have Cokes. And I really believe that that's the difference from a a really good high-end custom string maker. It's the recipe and what we do to the fiber during the building process or prior to the build process that gives us the end result. That's really what the customer's looking for. The customer wants, I love the fact that you're doing this, this head to head comparison between several different strings. And there's some great builders out there. You mentioned a couple of them, um, but that you're doing that in, in a full season, you're seeing the wear and tear. Um, you're going to see if your strings are moving, if you've got peep rotation, if you've got servings coming apart, you know, there's and every bow is different. You open a whole kind of, kind of can of worms there, but it really boils down to the manufacturer understanding the sciences behind building a quality string with that base fiber. I would love it if I had my own fiber and nobody else had it. I mean, we would really, you know, it'd be. But that's not the way it is. It's just a, everybody buys that that material, and it's it's really the best product out there. I personally believe four fifty two X is the best material. Um, I just think from a consistency standpoint, uh, you know, we've it's been around for a long time and it's tried and true and, and proven. And it just flat out works. Um, I mean, we've developed some technology in our manufacturing process using 452x and doing things to that fiber that can improve what it does for the end consumer. And the end consumer is is concerned about the string: a, it looks really good; b, I put it on my bow and I forget about it. I don't have I don't have to think about turning my peep. I don't want to worry about my bow coming out of time. I don't want to worry about you know serving separation. Whatever the case may be, you want your our mission and our goal is to elevate your archery experience by giving you a better product. That is our goal. If we can check that box, uh, we feel like we've been successful. Um, And so it it really, it's just, I guess, I'm rabbit trailing a little bit, but understanding that there's a science behind what we do. And a lot of those things we're not really talking about in specific detail. Anybody, Dan, you could, if you had a basic knowledge, and you probably do, of building a string, you can make a pretty string. Anybody can make a string that looks good. It's got the flashy colors, it's got the nice servings, and it looks good. But can you do that with consistency, repeatability, accuracy, and build tens of thousands? and serve that customer every single time. And then can you enhance speeds? Can you make sure that it's totally stable? Can you make sure that you literally can put on your bow and not worry about it? I mean, my I've got two hunting bows. Um, the PSC one that's on the left there, I put those strings on, I don't know, close to two years ago. I have not touched that bow. The Matthews, um, I put those strings on, I don't know, six months ago. And literally with our platinum, our high-end string, I install the strings, set my peep, set everything, paper tune it. It's good. Make sure the broadheads are good. And I I go set it in and I go shoot. And I don't ever mess with it again.
1: That's the goal.
2: Amen. That oh. is the goal.
1: What is the deal with platinum? That's like your high end versus regular. Help educate us on the differences.
2: So we build... Um, We basically have kind of a good, better, best model. We have our pursuit series, which is our entry-level custom strings. We have our premium series, which is... Our it's now our number two seller for years that was our number one, and then we have platinum, which is our high end, and it really is the same thing. It's not like this is some smoke and mirrors thing, there's more technology. We do things differently to build the platinum series than we do to build a pursuit series. The pursuit series is basically it's got our equalized strand technology, balanced twist ratio, and it's got some pre stretch. That's really a, a pursuit series string, it's kind of what we call it the entry level custom string um the premium series is a full pre-stretch it's a very very good string um and that's been a it's been a number one it's been our string from day one is our premium series as we call it today the platinum is this we use 452x the same material we use for premium but we've got some things that we're doing to that material that speed it up and make it even more stable so with the platinum series, we're doing things to that material that we're not doing with the premium or the pursuit, for example, that gives you a couple of extra feet per second. I mean, this is not a, a night and day difference. Get, don't get me wrong. But um, back when we worked with PSE in the when the X-Force project was born, um, the X-Force Omen, if you remember that bow, was a speed demon. And it had they had issues keeping that bow, keeping the string system in time. And Platinum solved that problem for them because we're able to, with what we call the AccuSet technology, is we're able to keep that material from moving. There's an extra process that that fiber goes through before we assemble it um, that keeps that material from moving. And that's how you get, like I was just talking about these bows, put it on the bow, put it together and go shoot, not worry about it. Um, The FAST technology um, is really it's a byproduct of that but it helps us to get just a little bit more speed if you take a premium set for your bow and a platinum set and you make sure that when you put that bow together and this is i'm gonna rabbit trail here a little bit but you get two guys that build a bow and they check their axle to axle they check the brace height but one of the things that is often missed is what i call the the cam measurement like if you take your cam and you find you find a spot on your cam where you can measure from with consistency. Like you could take this little sharp lobe or end tip of this, this uh, on this Matthews from this tip to this tip. You get that measurement, and then you you put a string set on this bow, like a premium, for example, and then you put a platinum on here and you make sure that axle to axle brace height and that measurement is exactly the same. Now you are ensuring that every detail of this cam system is exactly the same way bow to bow when you compare those two nine times out of 10 the platinum series is going to be about two feet per second faster is that a game changer no it's not however on the omen project it was on the omen project it was a big deal for them because they were trying to make sure that we they hit speeds of like 376 or 377 or 270 yeah 376 (sighs) speeds crazy um so We've just really, I mean, we haven't had a new string for six, seven years, but platinum has has been like, we're at this point, Dan, where we go, how do we make it better? how do we get this? What, what's the next step? You know, we've got some things we're working on. I've, I've actually got, I've got two engineers on payroll
1: here at Elkshape. We're very picky on who we decide to partner with. We take our brand very serious. And if we have a partner, we want to brag about them because we believe in them. Numa outdoors. That's the clothing we wear. Discount code Elkshape 20. will take 20% off your first order. Vortex Optics, Vortex Nation, proud partner since 2010. On X Hunt, become an elite member. This is the most reliable app for hunting on the market. Discount code Elkshape takes 20% off your elite membership. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. They've been in business since 1902. Matthews Archery, a brand that not only has the same shared values, but continues to push technology and making the best bows on planet Earth. MagView, this is the digiscoping solution that simplifies the entire process. Discount code Elkshape takes 10% off. Wilderness Athlete, this brand makes supplements, does not specialize in marketing. They specialize in making you better and recover and being healthier discount code elk 22 will take 30% off your first purchase spy point trail cameras trail cam ology trail cams are an extremely useful tool to help you scout figure out game densities and understand animal behavior and they make very reliable trail cameras that you can count on kafaru international the hoodlum is my all-time favorite backpack for elk hunting i don't even know how many elk i've packed out with that pack but i always can count on it the frame is in a league of its own and aaron snyder is running a phenomenal company that we believe in crispy boots, crispy USA, crispy hunting. These boots are the best bang for your buck. Minimal break-in period. Lots of flex ratings to suit your style and terrain that you hunt in. Check out a crispy dealer near you. Baku e-bikes out of Ogden, Utah. E-bikes made for hunters by hunters. Use them where legal It's efficient, quiet, and exhaust-free way to get in and get out of your tree stand or your hunting location. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Coffee is life. And this is a veteran-owned pro 2 a company. Discount code Elkshape takes 15% off. Blackobus.com is where I do all my shopping and I use my own discount code, which is Elkshape. It takes 10% off. Fast and free shipping a vast variety and great customer service sheep feet orthotics for the hunter put these in your boot and elevate your game leak less energy prevent injury and hunt more efficiently discount code elk shape takes 10 percent off the elk collective.com digital elk hunting education video driven enter the discount code ElkShape podcast all one word to save a few bucks and get to learning fatty meat sticks from smokewood these are my go-to snacks when hunting protein and fat great energy sources super convenient delicious you can find them at any convenience store near you marsupial out of arizona they make the best vinyl packs period handcrafted here in the usa and we stand behind them
2: oh. we build our own equipment we we've, we've got a mechanical engineer i've got an electrical engineer and we got i've got some smart people working here and we're, we've got some things in the works that we're still working on and testing um but we really were at that level where we go and i'm not i don't take that i'm not being arrogant i'm not i'm, I'm, I'm that's a challenge to us is how do we improve you know when we started 16 years ago There was a lot of steps we could take, but we're at a point now where it gets harder.
1: How many um, string making stations do you guys have at HQ? Like I've made strings with um, my buddy Josh before. And man, that was fun to really like now I know how strings are made. It's pretty cool guys. Like we have a video somewhere on YouTube, just kind of going over how to do it. And man, there's a lot of uh room for human error. I told, when you said the, that repeatability thing that really resonated with me. Cause I was like, yeah, I need a robot um, making strings. So I want to ask you how many stations do you have? And then I got to ask you, why do most foes come with shitty strings?
2: Uh, stations. It's hard for me to answer that because of the way we run production. Um, and maybe a better way for me to answer that question is we have about 35 to 37 employees here. Uh, we build about 50,000 sets of strings every year.
1: That's That helps. Like, okay, that gives a context to how big you guys are. Wow. Okay. So back to my original question. And like, so I've only shot for Hoy, and now I shoot for Matthews and I'm very happy with shooting for Matthews. And I'm very grumpy this week about all the comments on my stuff about how the new bows, they didn't change anything, blah, blah, blah. Besides that, um, I love the Zeba strings. They're cool. I just never run them. Like that's my first, and I'm probably not allowed to say that, but I'm just going to be, I'm just going to keep it real. I never run zebra strings. I always keep them. uh, I shoot them for a week, take them off, put them in a plastic bag, put it in my bow case in case something bad happens when I'm out in the field. So,
2: I mean, if, if you, if you had 10 Matthews bows, you're probably going to run into some that the zebra strings are great. They're fine. 100%. You can shoot them. They're, they're they're stable. I don't know this and I don't know how, how deep do I want to get in this conversation. I don't want to step on Matthews. Cause I think they, I, I mean, I really, they're a clean brand. Matthews is a clean brand. They make a great product. Um, but I do think that their strings, like I think ABB could help them. <laughs> um, I, I think it's just inconsistencies in the manufacturing process and really understanding. What goes into building a good string and, and why? How are we able to build string after string after string and we get complete consistency? Uh, I think that's really the number one thing. And you asked the question, why do a lot of manufacturers have shitty strings? It's because they want a cheap string. That's that's the long and the short of it. That is exactly the long and the short of it. They want cheap strings. We had a, we had a manufacturer um, come to us once and loved our stuff. Um, they say, Hey, well, your price is you know more expensive than everybody else. But and I'm like, Oh, that is what it is. That's that's, our, that's what it costs us to, you know, build the string for you. So that's the price. And a few weeks later, the same person goes, Man, we've been testing your stuff and it's like way better than all the other stuff we're getting. And I'm like, well, no crap, you know, that's, it's, 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 is not, if you want something cheap, then you're going to get something cheap. And I really believe in the string, in the string industry, that is very, very prevalent. Very, very prevalent. Um, now it, it's not all, I mean, they're not all that way. There's, there's definitely companies that are saying, Hey, they understand that we need a better string. Either they'll develop something better. Um, you know, I think Hoyt probably makes a decent factory string. Um, it's not great, but it's definitely decent. And like I say, some of the zebras are fine. Some of them are not so fine. Um, but it's, you know, we, we just, this is what we do. I mean, this is that strings is what we do day in and day out. That is our life. And so we understand it very well. We've got a, we've got a very, very, very good system um, and a very, very high level QA system from start to finish so that we know that when that end product goes out the door, that it's right. We have this thing that we talk about on our team internally. We get one chance. One of our one of our core values is quality, and the the definition that we put behind quality is we build a quality product every time because first impressions only happen once. When when someone buys a string from us or they go into Dan's Archery, call it we'll give you a pro shop, and they buy us an ABB string, and you're putting it on their bow and you're giving it to them. You have one chance to make that first impression. And so our number one goal is in our manufacturing system that we are building a string set so that they're pleased with and they're like blown away. This is I'm really, really impressed. And they're going to come back and buy again because they're going to keep that string for a couple of years. This is not something they're going to shoot for two weeks and then come buy another one. So. We take a lot of pride in that. We take a lot of pride in how we're, we're building the product, uh, knowing the fact that we're building you know, thousands of sets of strings.
1: And you guys have a, a two-year hassle-free warranty, which speaks volumes to what... I mean, if you're a business and you're going to offer something for two years, say no more. Tell me about your string orientation. And I'm trying to avoid this rabbit hole, but like people um, are always fascinated with that. I generally orient my veins to the left. Um, out of Matthews and I just, I can't prove it with high, you know, frame rate cameras, but it seems like my bows generally spit arrows left. And obviously I shoot a Matthews and I'm not sure if that I've heard that from other people as well. And then I think I've heard somebody say something about, well, ABB, B, if you use those strings, your arrows are going to shoot left. And so I'm here to dispel miss if you can help me understand this without diving too deep in this rabbit hole. and No,
2: it's, it's actually a good, it's actually a good um, topic, Dan. Um, so yes, there, I would say out of the Matthew strings that I've tested, and I would venture to say they pretty much all do, they'll cast your arrow left. So you want it left left, left helical fletch that's because you that string is naturally wanting to turn the arrow that direction, our strings will naturally turn the arrow to the right, right offset when you go to any pro shop if you buy Eastern arrows or gold tip arrows or victory or whoever, the standard factory fletch is typically right offset. Now, this is kind of a I call it pick and fly shit out of pepper thing. Yes. Um, The the arrow is definitely going to vein is going to overtake. So you could take our strings and put a left helical on it and you're going to be fine. But if you really look at it coming out of the bow, it wants to turn the arrow. Our string wants to turn the arrow to the right. I've tested almost every string that I've tested that I can remember. um, That was a I will call it standard twist from a string maker where they're twisting the strings clockwise, will cast the arrow to the left, where our strings will actually cast the arrow to the right, which is synonymous with most of the factory fletched arrows that you buy. So in our opinion, you're getting the best of both worlds. Now, we didn't, we didn't twist our strings counterclockwise to achieve that. That was something we
0: found out later, like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of cool. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. It's not like we started that. I
2: don't, am not trying to take credit for that. When we looked at the fiber and there's people that will say, well, your fiber, it wants to twist to the, or twist clockwise. It depending on how you look at it, but when you look at what that fiber wants to do under tension and how it behaves, it made more sense to twist it counterclockwise, which is why we've been doing that for 16 years. We can build clockwise twisted strings. We don't, we have, And what we find is that the clockwise twisted string for us, if we build it, it becomes a little bit more rubber bandish. So we get more stability with a counterclockwise twisted string with our, I'll call it recipe, go back to the Coke and Pepsi thing. Um, so, but is it a real thing to, as far as how I cast your arrow? Absolutely. And a quick way that you can test that or anybody that's even listening can test this is you can take a bear shaft and, uh, you've got that little node on your knock to index your knock, go to like three feet from the target, shoot it and see where that knock's sitting and then move back another two foot, shoot it again and see which direction you can, you can exactly tell which way that arrow wants to rotate. And that tells you my string is casting my arrow left or right. And if I really want the best of both worlds, now I'm going to fletch accordingly.
1: Yeah. So which of recent flagship bows, again, I have my Matthews blinders on. I only know Matthews. I only hang out with Matthews, man. Um, Maybe have some of the more problematic cams designs to where they're, dude, if this guy's shooting this bow, you know, he might see, you know, early separation, Because the aggressiveness, is there any like, hey, listeners, if you have this bow, this is where you want to like, this is what we've seen. These are our observations. I don't
2: know. I mean, it's if I want to be careful about what I say, because otherwise the manufacturer go, well, you're crapping on my bow and I'm not.
1: We're not crapping on anyone's bow. We love all brands.
2: Yeah. The thing that we've seen, um, you know, when we started back in 06, it was, it was really the bows weren't as efficient as they are today. You know, they, we just weren't at that efficiency level. And as the bows have evolved, I think it's kind of across the board. Um, we don't we, we don't get a lot of issues with Matthews. We really don't. Um, I mean, I would say most of the bows we don't have too much problem with. But if you've got a bow that is a very fast, that has a very aggressive draw cycle, as you see the cables rolling over in the cam, anytime you've got a really, really sharp bend, that's typically where you're going to have a problem. And especially if you're at a high poundage and a high speed bow, all of those factors that tends to become a problematic area. Um, Doesn't mean we can't build a string for it. It's just a little bit more difficult. Um, But I I guess I I go right back to that warranty. I mean, we offer a six month on the pursuit, a one year on the premium, a two year on the platinum. And our warranty rate hovers right around 1%. And it is literally a hassle-free one. If you got a problem, call us up, you know, as long as you're not dry firing your bow and trying to give us some spin story about how you didn't, (laughs) we're going to take care of that string for you.
1: That's awesome. I did save time for broadheads because you said uh, in your email, Hey, I want to talk about broadheads. I didn't know what that meant, but I mean, nothing's off the table here. Uh, A veteran 25 year bow hunter. What did you want to talk about broadheads?
2: So we acquired Helix broadheads last year. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Strickland and the company that he had. This is was a small brand, Um, but so let me give you a little bit of a backstory. Because of the nature of the string building, the string industry, you know, we're building every order, every string to order. We're not, we're not building a ton of you know stock items or whatever. So our challenge is always, how do we? serve the marketplace from June to November and keep a lead time short. It is so difficult, especially at the level that we're at. And so the goal that I had, I've had for years is how can we um, either start a company, purchase a company, start something that is an archery product that we can manufacture that's a non-custom item. And full disclosure, Rob Caulfield from Lancaster, they're a great customer of ours, and Rob and I talk you know, off and on and stuff. And he he and I were talking about this, and he said, you ought to, you ought to think about this. And I remember when he told me, he's like, um, have you thought about broadheads? And I'm like... <laughs> There's like 500 of them. What do I want with a broadhead company? Um, but Rob encouraged me to look at this and I did. And I was very, very impressed with the product. I mean, there's a lot of good broadheads. Don't get me wrong. But we're really thrilled with just the performance of this as a single bevel. Um, that that has definitely been a, more of a hot item in the last couple of years. Um we've just been really really impressed with the performance that we're getting out of this Broadhead. We just we purchased the company, moved it here to Ohio and we're manufacturing Broadheads here in our facility. We've added some more equipment um and we're really we're looking forward to uh actually releasing a new product here in January. Uh a new product broadhead, broadhead under under the Helix umbrella. Um and so we're really really excited about that. We've I've been like I said, I've been bowling for 25 years. Uh, I've killed a lot of whitetails and I've shot deer with mechanicals. I've shot deer with fixed blade heads. I've shot more deer with fixed blade heads than mechanicals and they all work. Um, But the thing that I've been really blown away by is how well this broadhead performs and how quickly it goes to the animal. I mean, it is, it is designed to penetrate um, and it just blows to the animal and they have no idea what hit them. Most of the deer that I have shot I have watched go down. Most of them go less than 60 yards. I've had deer go like 20 yards, barely 20 yards. And they're like, what happened? Boom, tip over dead. You've got the single bevel creating that rotation through the animal. Um, the wing design of this broadhead is is very, very, very good. It's very, very lethal. and does a lot of damage. And it's very heavy, you know, from a, from a thickness standpoint, the blades are 60 and 70,000 inches thick. So it's very, very durable. Um, the buck I shot this year actually broke, the left leg bone, we found two bone fragments on the blood trail, um, literally blew through that leg uh, and it was like a shotgun, you know, someone shot it with a shotgun, very, very durable broad. so we're just, we're pretty impressed with this thing. So,
1: well, let, let me ask you a couple questions on the broadhead. Um, so I like single bevel for sure. Uh, I killed an, Ida a New Mexico bull with a single bevel this year. The penetration was insane. It was an iron wheel. Um, it was a 125. So I imagine the 125 series is the 70 thousand you're talking about okay um does it have bleeders it does not this the standard one does not what uh what's the ferrule made out of or whatever so
2: the 100 125 and 150s we use a seven seventy five aluminum and then the uh, one seventy five, two hundred and two twenty five are made out of stainless steel.
1: Okay, yeah, that would probably I'd be a little more attracted to that than maybe aluminum. Um, the angle's crazy on this man. Like, uh, is that patented or whatever? Because that's pretty gnarly. If you look at the wing on, guys, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can check out these broadheads. They look pretty fascinating.
2: It is not patented. I wish it were something yeah. that I didn't like when we bought the company, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, that that the design of this broadhead is is I have to give credit to to Tim. I mean, he he designed this broadhead because he hit a 406 or five-inch bull. The reason he knows is because someone else killed it later with a rifle. <laughs> but he killed, he shot this bull, um, made a perfect shot on camera, what he thought was a perfect shot. It got no penetration. And that's what and he would, you know, he was filming the hunt, whatever. And that's what got him thinking about building uh, making a better broadhead. And that's where he came up with the helix. Um, but you know, you basically have this skinny, slender tip that really helps to get that broadhead started. So you're not going to get a deflection. And then this, this wing is, I mean, it's doing the work and it's a, when I, Dan, I'll be honest with you. When I first, when Rob told me about it, and I first bought broadheads and I got them, i looked at them and I said, "You know, gosh, this isn't the 1700s, you know, <laughs> <this> is, <laughs> it's that two blade. And you look at that as a guy who grew up here in the East hunting whitetails. And you're like, Ah, this ain't gonna fly. boy was I wrong. you know these things fly like I say they fly better than mechanicals. It's helping to steer the arrow from the front. you've got your veins in, and in our situation, this is a right bevel. you've got a right bevel, you've got a right fletch, you've got our string that's casting the arrow to the right. It's just I mean it, it it just flat out works. And so yeah, we've been really really impressed with it.
1: Yeah, I think um those interested in the single bevel, Uh, I'm new to it. I've killed only a bear and a bull with it. No, that's not true. Two bears and a bull. And I would say the first bear I shot, I didn't have much blood on the ground with that iron wheel and it did have bleeders. But the the animal did not go far. It died within sight. And then the autopsy was insane. I'm like, um, that was my first exposure to, I'm a knuckle dragger. I just call it corkscrewing. But like that rotation inside, I just pulled open the animal and I was like, I've never seen that, but I had never seen that in twenty years of bow hunting. And then um, this year, I shot uh, a spring bear. The blood trail was actually really, really insane. Probably the best blood trail I've ever had on a bear. And then the bull I killed this year with the single bevel died in sight. That's kind of cool for elk. That's not very typical for them to like go twenty yards and tip over. And um, I actually ended up getting a second arrow in him because I shot him. He went twenty yards and did not know what was ha- ha- going on. And he was hurt, so I put another one in him, obviously, and then he fell over. Um, but I did not get much blood on the ground. But he also wasn't alive very long after the shot to maybe bleed. I'm not sure. But again, the autopsies that broadhead broke his shoulder blade, like shared off it in a third, not like put a hole in it, like k- cracked and separated it. I'm not sure you can get that with three blades. And I love three blades, man. So that's an interesting. What's the total cutting diameter of that 125 there? Uh this is actually a hundred grainer that I'm holding. Uh, I think these are one and an eighth.
2: The one twenty five is inch and three sixteenth or inch and a quarter. I should know that. Um, and then the one fifties are one and five sixteenth. So it's pretty holes, pretty man. generous. Pretty generous. Yeah. And you know, we here and there we hear that someone will shoot one of these and be like, ah, I didn't find much blood. I found my animal. Um if you our big thing is get them sharp. We make sure that they're sharp when they leave, but if you're shooting them into a target, you need to sharpen them before you go hunting. Um, if you've got them really good and sharp, you're gonna get some blood. You're definitely gonna get blood on the ground. If they're not, if you don't have them real sharp, you're probably not. And I think the other thing too, with a two blade, the negative is, depending on how that animal's positioned and depending on where that hide is at when your arrow goes through them, and then as they run, can they close that up a little bit? Are you high through the lungs? Are you low through the heart? those are things that can definitely make a difference on a blood trail for sure.
1: No doubt. Well, we're going to put, um, I believe you sent strings for Jake. We're going to build his phase four. I think that bow arrives today. We're going to throw those on, um, Tim is ordering threads and I put gas on mine. So those are the top three. Uh, and then we're just going to do an evaluation a year later and we've advertised, Hey, put this in the back of your mind. It'll be interesting to see, um, I've heard nothing but great things. My friend, John Gabriel, sings your guys' praises. He's one of the most diehard bow hunters, and he's very detail-oriented, um, and I trust him. He's he's really preached heavily on your guys' stuff. Um, where should people, like, do they have to go to a dealer? Can they order directly off your website? If they're looking to upgrade their strings, where where do they go?
2: Either or. I mean, obviously, if you've got a dealer close by, and go there. That's always the best option. <laughs> But if not, um, you can go directly to our website, com, And it's, it's pretty easy. Or give us a call phone numbers, 800, um, three, what is it? Three three zero eight nine three seven one five five is the actual phone number.
1: Yeah. I'll put your guys's phone number, your socials, your website last. I want to hear about your deer season, Jerry. Are you, do you still have a tag in your pocket? I don't, unfortunately I've got antlerless tags. That's it.
2: <laughs> so I had, deer, had an awesome Jerry. hunt this year. Uh, we've got a really nice property that we've been managing for a long time. And it's just a lot of fun when you're watching deer grow up and you're, you know, you've got a couple of target deer. Um, so we had a deer, a 10 pointer we called Chubbs. Uh, he's a five and a half year old buck and he was really a bully. Um, and this was November 3rd. We've got a couple of, I go back to access. we got a couple of stands on an East West Ridge that we only hunt on a South wind because we can get in and out on a South wind and we don't get a lot of South wind. So, um, This November 3rd, it was a warm day. Um, and I got in the afternoon about four o'clock and I would say it was around six. I heard some bucks fighting just off to my right, kind of further west from me and behind me. And I, I heard that it was, this was not yearling bucks. This was heavy antlers. And I'm like, man, November 3rd, they're, they're starting to look and, you know, they're, they're cruising around looking for does. And I just grabbed my call hit a couple of tending grunts, one estrus bleat, back a couple more grunts, turned the camera back towards the direction that I heard the sound and waited two minutes. Here he comes. I'm like, yep, there's Chubbs. He's coming in. I mean, it was hot. It was like 60 degrees and he was, and he's coming looking to see where I was at and walk right underneath me. So yeah, that was, that was the, that was the story. I mean, it's not like I had a long hunt where I saw him, you know, from a long ways off or anything. It was just called, called the deer in, but I think it's just going back to understanding the phases of the rut and the phases of the season and what what do the deer, what are they doing right now and how can you talk to them? Um, I mean, yeah, that's, I, I love hunting whitetails. I, I remember watching him come in and I was thinking to myself, I knew the deer, I knew exactly which deer it was and he was one we one to kill. And I'm thinking, do I want to end my season? That's what went through my mind and and not because of the the deer it was one of the biggest body deer I've ever killed it wasn't the biggest rack deer I've ever killed um but uh yeah, I, you know so you know I can't pass this deer I can't let it go <laughs> so what's you know worse? but I get home with my kids and yeah
1: what's worse adrenaline speaking <clears throat> to see a buck coming to you a ways out and having all that time to think or is it worse to see a book really fast and you got to like get executed right away what's more challenging in your opinion
2: for me it would be if i see a deer from a long ways off Um, but I have to say this, I mean, I've been target shooting for a long time. I've done it. I've won a lot of stuff. Um, but in in the, uh, 3d area, especially in the IBO circuits, but, um, shooting competitively is a heck of a lot harder than shooting big deer. Uh, my biggest deer was a 192, Um, and I mean, I was, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was adrenaline going for sure, but it wasn't like I was shaking like leaf. I mean, Excuse the shot, but you shoot uh, Vegas or you shoot indoor nationals, you shoot Lancaster Archery Classic, you shoot some of these tournaments, indoor tournaments, for me as just a person, that is 10 times harder than shooting a big whitetail. But we do those things so that we become better archers and we make better shots on, on the game that we're pursuing, in my opinion.
1: I couldn't agree more, man. Like I advertised that I am going to do more winter league stuff this year than ever before. And it's not because that lights my fire. I just want more butt pucker situations because I want it all to translate to hunting. That's all I care about. Yep. Um, what, what advice do you have for me? Our deer rut a little later than yours. Uh, I would say... But the last three or four days has been peak rut around here for our whitetails. And like I said, I can't climb in the stand till the 25th. Um, Probably a little bit of rutting activity left to go, but not much. When you talked about vocalizations a little bit, am I tickling antlers? Am I doing some grunts like cold calling? What kind of grunts you said, tending with a bleat? Do you use like a can? Give me a little uh, impromptu coaching session. I, I use an extinguisher call. I, I
2: love the extinguisher from Deer Society. I love that extinguisher grunt call. Um, you can slide that that thing to a buck grunt, a doe fawn, or a fawn. You can slide it to a doe. You can, you can do whatever you want. So I like that. Um. As that bell curve of the breeding phase starts to come down, which you're going to be right in that 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 tail end, uh, like here in Ohio, during that time frame, the big deer, the biggest deer are probably searching even more during that time frame. Um, I would say calling is probably less effective on the latter part of the bell curve than on the front part of the bell curve, just my personal experience. Um, but you definitely could try it. I think um, you know painting the picture of a, a buck chasing an estrus doe is to me probably better than rattling. That's just been my experience. Rattling works. Trust me. I've rattled in deer. I've had more success on painting that picture of this is what's going on. And knowing that the deer are in the mindset, Hey, I want to find another girlfriend, you know, I've had two or three or five or whatever, but I need another one. So if you can paint that picture, I think you probably, uh, it, it's it's conditions and situation, but, um, if you if you see a deer a long ways off and you need to get his attention dude the antlers work very well <laughs> no doubt so, pin, yeah.
1: pinch points pinch points and you know trying to catch those deer as they're going through from one to the other that's this key jerry from america's best bowstrings guys fun conversation i learned a lot actually this was really cool and appreciate your time jerry folks remember separation is in the preparation we'll catch you on the next one Elk Shape Camp's 2023. What goes on at Elk Shape Camp? A lot of stuff, but basically I can distill it down to this. We're going to sniff out your weaknesses, write you up a blueprint to tackle them head on and make sure that you're consistently getting into elk. You're consistently training and eating clean year round. You're disciplined and dialed at home, at your job or employment, and that you're making disciplined decisions that are going to lead to more success in life and in the mountains. Phoenix, Arizona, January 20th through the 22nd at Wilderness Athlete HQ. March 3rd through the 5th in Stonewall, Texas, right next to Numa HQ. Julian Ranch, California, March 31st through April. April 2nd. This is in SoCal right outside of San Diego. Plus we are going to do our inaugural women's only elk shape camp on March 30th. Gals, you are invited. It's a women's only event on the 30th and then you'll jump right into the rest of the camp. We also have a couple discounts. Make sure to shoot us an email. If you want to know about that vortex edge in Wisconsin, April 14th through the 16th, we came here last year. It's such an amazing facility. It's so easy to put on a camp there. We can't wait to meet more Wisconsin or Midwest folks. And last but not least is a two day intensive camp for elite Onyx members only in green acres, Washington, June 17th through the 18th. Early bird prices go until October 31st. Regular prices kick in November 1st, and late registration starts January 1st, 2023. We hope to meet you at an Elkshape camp near you ish. And we have military discounts, regardless if you're currently serving or have served in the past. Email us to inquire within.